Business owners are cluing into the fact that Bitcoin is here to stay, but its adoption is only about where internet adoption was in the mid-90s. In other words, there's still a ton of upside and opportunity. If you want to learn how other business owners and entrepreneurs are using Bitcoin to enrich their lives and grow their businesses so that you can too, stick around at the end of this episode to hear the trailer for my newest podcast, Business Bitcoinization. And now, on to today's episode. You're listening to the Life as Leadership podcast. Are you looking for motivation and encouragement on your path to becoming a better leader? If so, you've come to the right place. Keep listening to find a community of leaders committed to learning and taking action to improve their world. The Life as Leadership podcast, where leaders gather to grow together. Here's your host, Josh Friedemann. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. Today, we're going to be discussing Monday's interview with Nancy Sleeth, who helps to lead an organization called Blessed Earth. Joining me back in the studio to discuss the interview are my friends and fellow leaders, Jake Sullivan and Michelle Mahalko. So what did y'all think about Monday's interview with Nancy? I loved it. She is my spirit animal, apparently. (laughs) Your spirit animal. Why is that? Uh, I've spent a lot of my last decade of life sort of matching where nancy has gone with blessed earth trying to cut back on consumption and uh take better care of the environment so yeah it was it was neat to hear someone taking that fight up and just sort of like spreading the the message absolutely Michelle, how about you? Yeah, I think definitely at the start of the interview, I was thinking it was just going to be a conversation about the environment and I was just going to be sitting here convicted that I don't do enough. Um, But actually, I really was inspired um, not only with how she cares for the environment, how she's also um, approaching Christians and encouraging them to take care of the earth, but also she just has this model of simplicity that I really appreciate in how she approaches her organization and the way that she leads. Yeah. And, you know, you can always look to other people and say, wow, they're doing more than I am in X area of life, right? But the goal for all of us should be that we're always looking for ways to improve. And so it's really, that's why it's so neat to have these people who are doing so well and leading change in different areas because they can challenge us in in new ways. And actually, I'll say that the reason I wanted to have Nancy on originally is because back when I was in college, I heard her give a talk on the Sabbath and she challenged uh, each person in that room to just take a month, say, hey, the next four Sundays, I'm just going to take off entirely. And I was a resident assistant on my hall at the time. And I talked to a few of my guys and said, hey, who's willing to go in and do this? And we did it. And it was great. And I, I, I continue that all through college. And, you know, that's one of those things people say, I'm too busy in college. I'm always studying. <laughs> the truth is you always have time for what you want to make time for. It's really about what you value. So I really appreciated like you said, Michelle, her, her focus on simplicity and rest and things like that. One of the things that she talked about towards the end of the interview was her book, Almost Amish, and talked about a few different areas in life that she thought were particularly important for really everyone, but young people and things to keep in mind as you're starting out your life before you've developed all these practices in your life that complicate life. She talked about debt. She talked about rest and she talked about technology. So just to start off of those three things, which do you feel like you have the best handle on in your life? I've got a pretty good handle on the rest and technology stuff. I take a Sabbath most weeks and I 
generally only use technology for business related things. The debt I'm still kind of climbing back out of, but <laughs> sure, sure. Currently, I'm doing pretty well with it. It's just still fighting off some old stuff. Yeah, well, and that's that's the thing. You know, a lot of it's how you're living now. You can't you can't change the past, obviously, but but how you're living now makes a big difference for your future. Michelle, how about you? I think for me, while I wouldn't consider myself abundantly wealthy, I think I've made really smart choices financially in the last like six years of adulthood. <laughs> I'm only 24, um, <laughs> but I chose to not go into debt for undergrad. Thankfully, my dad did help me through undergrad, but even now as I'm putting myself through grad, grad school, I've chosen sometimes to take a semester off when I couldn't afford to pay for it because I just refused to get myself into debt for a student loan. And that has that has brought me so much peace financially moving forward uh, that I know that when I'm done with school, I'm not still paying for school and I can move on with my life and purchase a home. Um, so I think I have a good grip there. Um, and then I think with technology, I feel like I use it probably too much. Uh, and then the Sabbath, that is something that some days I get it. Some days I'm pretty bad at too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm kind of in your same boat, Michelle. The finance thing, I feel like I have a little more control over, a little more understanding of. And uh, Jake, I think if we could combine with you, then we'd really be like a, a killer team right here. <laughs> but but I feel like especially with technology, I'd probably rest too. Um, yeah, let's throw finances in there. If you can get all three of those things figured if out. If you want to pay off my student debt, I can teach you to take a Sabbath and cut yeah. the technology. <laughs> you can teach us to chill out. <laughs> yeah. Fair it's enough. definitely something, though, that I think if you're a student listening to this, do everything within your power to stay yes. out of debt. Seriously. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So this this kind of is, is going back to an earlier part of the interview, but it's still relevant because we're talking about these things that, you know, we we have control over some of these areas in a really firm way. Others we, we are still growing in. Right. And I think uh, a lot of people who are listening would feel the same way about these three areas. But sometimes we're, we're called to lead, and we talked earlier in the interview about the importance of making sure that you are practicing what you preach. That's a term we hear a lot. And it, really, the idea is, if you're going to call someone to something, make sure that it's something that you believe in enough to where it's actually part of your life too. But at the same time, we, we may not always be there quite yet. And we still need to lead people to change that maybe we've not fully grown into yet. Have you ever had times like that in your life? And if so, how do you handle that when you're not quite there yet, but you still know that you need to take your people to a certain place? Don't they call that phony syndrome or something like that where you feel like maybe you're a so. counterfeit? I, I've heard a lot. I mean, that, the whole uh, fake it till you make it. Yeah, whatever till you else. make it. But 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 also like, are, are you faking it or are you actually growing right. along the way, either yeah. with them or a, a few steps ahead? You yeah, know? I think anytime you're starting a new thing, there's a lot of unknown in that, and it's usually going to feel like you don't know what you're doing. But a lot of times, if you've done the prep work ahead of time, you just kind of have to dive in and have a little faith in yourself. I, I found most of my stuff has been very anxiety ridden before I start any new leadership project. And then once I get going, as long as I've done the prep work on the front end, it you hit the ground running and it, it tends to work out or it does it, you know, really quickly. Sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. For me, I think 
age is something I consider a lot for myself. Being young and trying to be a leader and trying to move up uh, in my career, I definitely sometimes hold myself back because I'm like, no one's going to take me seriously. I'm in my mid-20s. But thankfully, there's a couple leaders that I follow on social media or or different platforms that I've seen are in their mid to late 20s. And um, one in particular, she's only like 29 and she leads a conference for women. And I'm so inspired by that because even though she's young, she is reaching generations above her age group. Um, and, uh, she speaks with so much wisdom and, and, you know, it's definitely, I've seen in her model and also for myself, um, sometimes you just have to take it a step at a time and, just learn as you go, uh, never overqualify yourself, but also allow yourself to lead others who, even though they're older than you, um, they might still not have the same experiences as you. And I think it is really important to, if you're not quite where you think you should be or where you want to be, which honestly, very few people have, have ever reached quite where they want to be. A lot of people are still looking to grow and and continue to increase their knowledge and abilities. But if you're not quite there and you're still growing along with your team, at least knowing why you're doing what you're doing and being passion-driven and mission-driven are super important because that way, if you really believe in what you're doing, if you're not quite there yet, that is going to get you there. If you have enough of a drive, you're going to eventually reach your goals if you're working hard enough for them. But if you're just trying to lead people to lead them, I think a lot of people are going to realize pretty quickly that you are an imposter, that you're someone who is calling them to something that you're not really doing yourself. And that can be a, a damaging thing for your team and, and for yourself as well. Well, just to speak on age, the church that I'm at right now has a 25-year-old and a 22, 23-tomorrow-year-old pastor. And like those are our two pastors. And a lot of it is confidence and a lot of it is seeking advice from people who have that age and experience and being willing to just cause you're leading people. doesn't mean someone can't also be leading you. And I think for them it's, it's calling and mission as well. Yeah, that's a huge thing too. And my guess is that if they were here, they would tell us that they don't know everything they're supposed to be doing. They're <laughs> learning a lot along the way. Yeah. And yet because of, of that mission and because of that calling, they are learning and they are growing into that. Yeah. And, and the people that are working alongside of them see that in the process. So with mission being such a big thing, you sort of lay out that, that roadmap maybe, and you bring people along, but people can only follow where we lead. And one of the things Nancy talked about was reflecting on yourself and taking a look at, at what you're doing that can be improved. I find that especially difficult. It's a, a lot easier to see other people's mistakes than it is to see our own. And I think that's uh, a common human thing. I don't think it's, just, I hope it's not just me. Uh, <laughs> Jake, but, you know what? <laughs> do y'all have any habits that you have built to, to help you sort of self-evaluate as a leader? I think for me, just surrounding myself with people that I can be honest with, because I know I'm a, I'm an external verbal processor. So when I'm feeling that phony syndrome, I will put myself around le- leaders or colleagues that I can work through things and ask them, Hey, how do you see this? Am I doing this right? You know, working through things like that. Yeah. So I, I just got back from a a conference in San Diego and to your point, having other people in your life is super important. One of the 
pictures that they gave was to imagine yourself in a mason jar that has a label on it. So imagine yourself in a mason jar that has a label on it, and you are on the inside. You're the product. You you are the person of interest here. You're looking out of the mason jar, and all you can see is this white label. Because, you know, every, every label, right, on the if it's a clear mason jar, there's the, the white sticker part on the inside. You can't really see what you're supposed to do or, or, or who you are maybe even. That's why you need people on the outside who can read the label. They can see what you're made of, what your possibility is, and they can tell you what you need to do. It needs to be people you trust, obviously. But if you have people like that in your life, coaches and mentors and things like that, they can call a lot out of you that's already there, but you don't necessarily know it until someone tells you. And I think that's that's super important. I think that's probably been what's worked best for me, too. That and becoming more vulnerable so that people can speak truth a little easier because they know what's going on. But sure. Like I said, verbal processing, yeah. that's... Well, in that image of the mason jar, I mean, we talk about the glass house, everyone yeah. looking in, that that's vulnerable right there. Yeah. And you got to make sure that you trust the people that you're vulnerable with. But yeah, for sure, you know, people are inspecting your life, inspecting you. That can be something that doesn't feel super comfortable all the time. But it's important so that you know what's inside of you and what you need to be doing. At one point, Nancy made a comment about how... It's important to find common ground with your audience. Um, Like, for example, how she is speaking in churches and talking about taking care of the environment. And she mentioned how the common ground is the Bible, that she goes back to scripture as the authority for why uh, Christians should be taking care of the earth. So I wanted to ask you guys, um, do you guys have any good examples of a leader that you see is working with common ground in potentially a hot topic or something that's pretty divisive? Yeah, I can't really think of anything off the top of my head. I'm trying to think of people who are leading in more hostile contexts. And when you are leading in a hostile context, one of the things that I remember from like communication courses back in college is to make sure that you use humor. Now, I don't think Nancy necessarily uses humor when she is interacting with these churches, but at the same time, I think, I don't know that it's necessarily a hostile context for her, but I am thinking like, you know, hot button issues. Oftentimes those are going to have a lot of emotions involved. So a lot of times when you don't have that really natural common ground, one of the common grounds you could begin to find is humor, getting people laughing, loosening up. And it's in that that you can start bringing out some, some more serious truths through humor. And one of the things Emily Flippin on the podcast last week that she talked about was this idea. She works in an organization called The Motley Fool, and they kind of built this organization off the idea that there was this court jester back in the day who was able to speak truth to power, speak truth to the king. He'd get out there, make a fool of himself, get everyone laughing, and then start saying what everyone else wanted to say but that only he could say because he was the one who was doing it in a funny way and keeping people laughing. So that's that's, a, that's something to keep in mind for people who do have to lead in more hostile contexts, mm-hmm. which once again, I don't think is what Nancy's really doing at all, but certainly relates to leading when it comes to hot topic issues of the day. Yeah, that makes me think of comedians too, who Absolutely. I might completely disagree with some of their views, but then they start making light of the views and you know, everyone can laugh. It shows how fickle we are sometimes when <laughs> yeah. we can be convinced by humor, but you know, the, but yeah. it shows the power of it at the same time. That's true. One of the things I really found interesting about this interview, because not only am I an occasional contributor to the podcast, but I'm a frequent listener. And 
a lot of the interviews have been people who have an organization behind them. So the people that are following them, the people they're leading are part of this structure that's already set up and they don't have to seek out the followers. Her idea of alignment and finding people, meeting people where they are so that they can follow you reminds me of the strategy that is used a lot in, in activism of Kingsian nonviolence. And it's based on Martin Luther King and this idea that if you just expose the truth to people, that they will find common ground that if you are aggressive, it will push people away. Hmm. But by simply sharing the space with them, even by, Hmm. by meeting them where they are. And that was civil rights, really big historical movement. Yeah, absolutely. I I think it's uh, proven. Gandhi, right. He was also well known for doing things like that, which also leads me to the question, what are effective ways of calling people to change? Because if you're calling someone to change, once again, hopefully you've already brought that change in your life or are bringing it in your life. But have you either experienced or seen effective ways of calling people to change or maybe ineffective ways as well that we can learn to not do? You know, when you say calling people to change, I think of of speakers where I went to school for undergrad, we had speakers all the time, three days a week, um, from all kinds of organizations trying to convince us one way or another. Um, and I think the most effective approach to causing change is first helping people realize a need for change. Um, and you do that by showing reasons or showing where there's lack, um, or where there's room for improvement. Um, and I, and I just think of times in my life where I decided, okay, now I'm going to change. It came out of realizing the need either. There was a void in my life or, or I was falling into habits or routine that was leading nowhere. And, uh, that's, that's one thing I would say yeah. is necessary. I like the, the method that Nancy laid out of, yeah, of, of aligning with people, meeting them where they are, and then making sure that you're going the same direction that you're trying to lead them. So mm-hmm. if you want people to change, you have to be willing to make those changes yourself, but you also have to be realistic about the starting point that people are coming from. So the question that I want to finish on today before we go to our key takeaways takes us back earlier to what we started talking about at the beginning of this episode and at the end of Monday's episode, which were Nancy's books, Go Green, Save Green, as well as Almost Amish talking about some of those values in life that are really important and that make life more meaningful. And I think this is a good thing for all of us to reflect on, especially the earlier in our lives that we are, thinking about what actually matters to us because that drives us in what we do. So going back to some of the values that she talked about in the episode and maybe just things you would add as well, let's say that money wasn't a major factor in your life. What are those things that you would want to put into your life that would really create a meaningful life for you? I think for me, it would be community and value added. So like not personal wealth gain, but how I can improve the lives of the people around me. Yeah, actually, you stole my word. I was going to say community, but from a different angle, uh, you know, I grew up as a only child and my parents were divorced and I didn't have like I remember some Thanksgivings where where it was just me and my mom going to TGI Fridays and having a turkey burger which is kind of sad but um <laughs> <love> and 
Well, I didn't love it at the time, but it's kind of funny to talk about now. But uh, I, I loved going into college. I found that kind of community sense of life because I was around people all the time. And now I work with college students. And so um, I think if I, if money wasn't limiting, I would always uh, aim to have an open home that was welcoming to anyone from any kind of family hosting big Thanksgivings and uh, just having everyone welcome in my Lots of TG at Friday turkey burgers. <laughs> no actual turkeys, which first I have to learn how to make a turkey, but one yeah, day. I, I, yeah, so for, for me, I would say I would echo a lot of those things. Having a strong community, I think we see a lot of families these days that don't have a strong community. And I think the more that people can change that in our country, probably the better and more welcoming of a place it will be, especially for people who don't necessarily agree with each other automatically. If we can bring back community to our cities and our communities, our communities, right? Then I think that we'll be healthier places. In addition to that, just having time to spend uh, with my family in the future and um, having time. Time is an important thing. I think we also let get away from us. And the more we can control things like our money and our technology use and make sure that we add rest into our lives, the better we can do things like that. And so it's, it's worth it's worth all of us, especially the younger we are, the more we have to establish habits in our life now, the, the more we can do it, the better for our futures and for our families and for those that are around us whose lives we're going to be affecting. But let's go ahead and go to our key takeaways. Jake, Michelle, what would y'all share with the audience for some of the top things that you would want to leave with them based on our interview with Nancy this week? One big thing for me, and uh, I feel like I've hit it a lot in this conversation, but it was aligning with people, meeting them where they are, and then actually going where you want to lead them. So, you know, taking that journey beside them. And another one that we haven't talked about as much, but that I thought was really key was that early on she talked about her faith journey and when they were confronted with evil and had a worldview that didn't have the answers for that, they looked outside and, you know, she said they went through a a couple of different holy books and, and worked their way to the Bible and that being central in their life. But that willingness to see something that they couldn't cope with and then go outside of their traditional worldview to try to find the answers for it is a huge way to grow that I think is key for a solid leader. I would agree with that first point. That was a key takeaway for me also of finding common ground. And uh, I wish more leaders would approach issues that way. And instead of pinning people against each other, mm-hmm. just instead highlighting the cause and highlighting the motive. Yeah. Um, and then uh, another key takeaway that I took from what she talked about was um, big isn't always better. Um, and not only in in the materials that we have, but also in our organizations and in our success that we shouldn't measure our success necessarily by its size, but rather by what it's doing. So my first one is to lead with integrity. 
if you're calling other people to change, it's important that you either have that change already in your life or you're working toward it. And then kind of, Jake, to your second point, this next takeaway is not something that we talked about much, but it's still a really valuable thing. And that is, if you're looking at the same resources that other people are looking at and you're seeing something different, then that might be a sign that you're onto something new that's worth sharing with people. And the example of that is, Nancy and her husband were looking at the Bible and seeing things that they said other people who are in the church don't seem to be doing these things. How can we bring them into alignment with what we see here in Scripture? There are all sorts of things in life that we may see that other people aren't thinking about or doing. And instead of just sitting back and saying, huh, I wonder why that is. Let's try to actually be leaders and bring about the change that we think needs to happen. And finally, take time to rest each week. Recently, some random page commented on, on a post that I had, which, by the way, if you have not checked out the Instagram yet, go to at Life as Leadership and check out some great content from the previous podcast episodes. But but someone commented about like, hey, hope you worked hard this week, like hustle hard on the weekend. It didn't say that, but it was that type of comment. Like and it's like, man, you got you to gotta take time to rest. You can't always be going. And that's a, that's a good reminder. I think we're so focused on working hard that we never take time for rest. So make sure you take time for rest every single week. Well, Jake, Michelle, thanks for joining the show this week. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for joining the show this week. I hope you learned something new and feel more prepared to take leadership in your own life to the next level. If you found this content valuable and would like to help out the podcast, here are three things you can do. One, subscribe to the podcast so you'll get new episodes each week as they come out. Two, Share this episode with someone you think could benefit from it. And three, give us a five-star rating and review on iTunes or wherever else you listen to podcasts. All three of these actions will help to make it easier for others to find us and join the community. You can never have too many good leaders, right? Until next time, keep living and leading well. Hey, thanks for checking out this trailer for the Business Bitcoinization Show. My name is Josh Friedemann, and I'll be with you each episode interviewing business owners about how they're using Bitcoin to enrich their lives and grow their businesses. You might be wondering about the name, and I'll get to that in just a second. But first, let me tell you a little bit more about the show and who it's for. Unless you've lived under a rock for the last decade, you've heard of Bitcoin by now. And if you're like me, you heard about it a while ago, but didn't do anything about it until the last couple of years. Then one day, for whatever reason, it finally clicks. And after that, you enter the Bitcoin rabbit hole, as they say. And the deeper you get, the more you see the value of Bitcoin. But you know, maybe you're not there yet. Maybe you don't know much about Bitcoin, but are interested in learning more. Either way, this show can help you. Each episode will introduce you to an executive or entrepreneur who's using Bitcoin, the hardest money on planet Earth, to improve their life and their business. So, what's with the name? Well, it's a play on the term hyper-Bitcoinization, which is used to describe the eventual rapid adoption of Bitcoin as other currencies get weaker and weaker in relation to it. When you compare a seemingly never-ending supply of dollars to a hard cap of 21 million Bitcoin that will ever exist... It feels like only a matter of time until hyper-Bitcoinization happens. The good news is we have the opportunity to be on the front lines of creating a new and frankly better system. Whether you're already sold on Bitcoin and it feels like I'm preaching to the choir, or you're curious to learn more, business Bitcoinization will help you understand how you and your business can be prepared to take advantage of the massive productivity and wealth that Bitcoin will enable. 
If Business Bitcoinization sounds like a show for you, go ahead and subscribe. Obviously, you can subscribe in whatever podcast app you're using right now, or go to www.bizbitshow.com slash listen. Once again, that's www.bizbitshow.com slash listen. I'm looking forward to sharing more soon. And until then, keep living and leading wealth.